think I'm trying to call y'all old. That's not what I'm doing. I got. But I thank God for the people of New Mission and their faithfulness. And good to see my sister, Dr. Wanda Taylor Smith, that's in the house. Amen. Thank God for the ministers. Thank you for your faithfulness and your love for God, the gospel, and this church. Um, we're going to go ahead and preach. I know we're on some time here, so uh, I want to I want to go to scripture. I want to go to the word of God right now. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Um, we're going to go 1 through 19 and add 24, but there's no way I can cover all that, but we want you to see the picture of this text. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Now about that time, the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. He beheaded him. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him into prison, delivering him up to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But here's the key. But constant prayer was offered to God to him by the church. Did you hear what I said? Constant prayer. The church has power. Verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, Behold is an important word we're going to come back and see. An angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side. He had to hit him, raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did, and he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. And he did not know, Peter did not know that was done by the angel. He didn't know if it was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. Immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. They were still having a prayer meeting. And as Peter knocked at the door, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. 
but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, girl, you crazy. You're beside yourself. You lost your mind. Yet she kept insisting it was so, so they said it's his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hands, he told them to keep silent. He declared to them how the Lord had bought him out of prison, and he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren, and he departed and went to another place. And when, then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. What about had become a Peter? But when Herod had searched for him, he examined the guards. He interviewed the guards and commanded that once they found out they didn't know what happened, he commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea, verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiply. You may be seated. Amen. I like to use for a subject, why can't I open this door? Why can't I open this door? And a subtitle would be, but I'm spared. For let us pray. Father, we thank you for this moment with your people. We ask that you be in the midst of your word this morning that you make your presence felt. Father, I ask that the same prayer that Elijah prayed, Elisha prayed, when his servant came to him and said that there were enemies all around, and Elijah prays that, Lord, open his eyes that he may see what I see. Father, we pray that this congregation see what your word says and hear what your word says. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This text that I just read is too long to cover all of it, so I'm going to point your attention to some key verses. Pastor Venice, in his absence, has been preaching a series on the war of all wars, and it's dealing with spiritual warfare. So uh, those of you who are familiar with this text that I read, I remember some 35 years ago, I was here at a four o'clock service and Dr. Spencer N. Glover stood up in his pulpit. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And he preached the prodigal son. And, but he, he clarified it with this. He said, I know a lot of y'all are familiar with this scripture, but don't run ahead of me. I might not go that way. I say that with this text. Don't run ahead of me if you're familiar with it. <clears throat> In our text, it takes place after Pentecost in Acts 2. So the church had grown from 3,000 to 5,000 and is still growing. So it brings us up to our text in verse 1. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa I had harassed the church. He was attacking the church. He was brutalizing the church. He was threatening some who belonged to the church. And he went on, and he probably beheaded him to uh, behead the Apostle James, the brother John. There were Peter, James, and John, if you know, remember the gospel, they were in the three inner circles of Jesus. They was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. 
They were in the Garden of Gethsemane. So this James that he's killed was one of the three. And what happened after that, once he had killed James, once he had killed him, the Jews were pleased with that because they practiced Judea and the church was growing. So, so Agrippa got some juice out of that, you know. He, he got some popularity out of that. So he said, okay, so we got him, we're going to go get Peter. So he's now looking to increase his popularity as king, and he's going to get, he said, I'm going to go get another leader. So he proceeded to arrest Peter. So he arrested Peter, but the problem was he arrested Peter during the Jewish holiday, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover. So he takes Peter to jail, and he arrests him, and he puts him in prison. He assigns four squads of soldiers because he didn't want to be embarrassed because Jesus already was popular at this time. Jesus was in the tomb, and they had soldiers all around him. And they, he, you know, they, they said he escaped, but we know what happened, that he, that he rose from the dead. But he didn't want that on his resume, that this number one man who's running the church escaped. So he assigns four squads of soldiers around him. They had three-hour ships. And he chained two of them to Peter. You see the picture? They had two outside the jail, two inside the jail with Peter. And so Agrippa wouldn't be embarrassed. So verse 5 says, but, you know, he didn't want them to escape. So they were allowed, they weren't allowed to kill people during the Jewish holidays. Their plan was to wait till the Passover was over and have a phony mock trial and then kill him. But in verse 5, it says the church was praying. The church was praying. Do we still have a praying church? They didn't go get a lawyer to try to get Peter out. The church was praying. They didn't go get a Bell's Bosman to try to get Peter out. The church was praying. And it's okay to believe in lawyers. I get that. But all above that, we as the church ought to never stop praying. It's okay. But only, you know, what we got to know as we pray, only God can open and clo cl a closed door. Only God can open the door that, that, that man has shut. And God can shut a door that no man can open. So we got to believe it was God can do things. God can do exceedingly abundantly more we can even ask or think. So he knew the church was praying. The church knew that it was God who opened the Red Sea. So they believed that if he opened the Red Sea, he could open a jail cell. So only God can bring us through when we are in possible situations, church. You are facing something. Somebody might be facing something right now. It seems impossible. But I want to tell you that God specializes. It's in verse 6. It says, Herod was about to, Passover was almost over, and Herod was about to bring Peter out. The word about is very important. God waited until they were about to bring him out to sale. God waited until they, they was about to bring him out and kill him. God can wait until it's just, you know, you down to your last minute. 
God can wait till it's just about almost over. God can wait till it's almost you think you at the end and he will step in on time. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. He's an on time God. And while all this was going on, guess what Peter's doing? Peter is sleeping. I don't know if Peter had a sleep problem or what. I, don't, I think he had sleep acne because he was sleeping in the Garden of Gethsemane the night that Jesus was arrested. And, he, and Jesus had to come out three times and say, can, can't you watch for me? Peter is, how do you sleep the night before they agree, chop your head off and kill you? But let me give Peter some, Peter some credit. You can trust God so much when you know it's out of your hand. When you know you've done all you can do. When you see that it's all in God's hands and the only way that I'm going to be saved if God step in. Has God ever stepped in for you when you ever thought that you were down? But I want you to put your finger right there. I got to keep moving. So I'm going to kind of run through this, but then I'm going to take a, a turn on you. So God sends an angel to rescue Peter. The angel hits Peter on the side forcefully. I, it's one that, that, that grabbed me in the text. It many times that some texts say that, that the angel slapped Peter. He had to wake him up, and he tells Peter to wake up and rise quickly. And as soon as Peter wakes up, and after he slaps him, the chains fall off. How does chains fall off? And you between two soldiers? Only God can do that. He wasn't trying to be quiet. And then they said a light shone in the cell. Now, now why would a light shine? If I'm trying to break out of something, I'm not going to turn on no light. I'm trying to get out. He told him to put on his clothes and, you know, put on his belt because he didn't want Peter to trip. We got to get out of this place, Peter. And then, and so he follows the angel, and it happens so quickly, Peter didn't know if he was dreaming or not, or if he's seen a vision. He was just following the angel. Have you ever had a dream so bad that you wake up out of it? It was so bad, you wake up, you thought it was real? But it's not true? But, but it seems like it's unbelievable that you dreamed that? Now, in verse 10, Peter and the angel passed by the first guard post. Then they passed by the second. They got through that okay. But when they came to the third door, the iron gate that leads to the city where he would be totally free, the Bible says that it opened by itself. I mean, a lot of y'all can't relate to that because... Because, you know, we, we got smartphones. We got, you know, we got stuff that we got. We can control our thermostats from our phones. We can, we can open our garage doors and turn on lights. And we can, you know, we can, we can tell Alexis to play a song. We can tell Alexis, Alexis, what's the weather? See, 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 see. They didn't have that back then. But the gate opened by itself. See, back then, they didn't even have electricity. They didn't even have, they had no automation. They had no power grid. And we think that we are so far ahead of God with our technology. And God takes a gate and opens it up. God takes the Red Sea and opens it up. 
God goes to the Jordan River and he opens it up. God's ways are past finding out. You can't even figure him out. By the time you think you got to figure out his way, that thought has passed you. I want to submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, that the gate opened by themselves, by the power of God. Do you believe in the power of God? Oh, I know it's hard to believe in, in this culture we live in now with everything going on, but we still must believe in the power of God. There are some doors that you can't get through, but with the power of God, he'll open some doors that's been shut in your face. God can open it up for you. If I have any witnesses in the house, do you believe, anybody out there streaming, do you believe that God can open up things that's been closed? God can open up. God can open up some things. Some of you are dealing with a sickness right now. You think that it's all over, but God can heal that sickness. What do you need God to open up for you this morning? Is it a relationship? Is it a financial commitment? Is you need God to open up a friendship? You've been friends with this person and y'all have fell out, but y'all just can't seem to. But see, here's the problem. What we got to stop doing, my brothers and sisters, is this. What we must stop doing is trying to pry open the door, and we need to pray over the door. Too many times we're trying to do things in our own power. I'm going to open this financial door. I'm going to open this door to this relationship that's broken. But you need to not pry over it, pray over it. You see, God is able to demonstrate his ability and to accomplish his will in every situation. He is able to accomplish his will in both real situations and he's able to accomplish his will in potential situations. What do you mean by potential situations, preacher? What I'm saying, he's able to accomplish his will in potential situations is what could have happened to you. What could have happened while you was driving to New Mission this morning? Those are potential situations where he directed the traffic. He is so, so intricately involved in every aspect of our life. I had my sister in New York said she was at the shopping center and, and she couldn't find a parking space. And all of a sudden, a parking space opened up close to where she needed to be at. She gave God credit for that. God will open up an empty parking spot for you so you can go in. But God's power is centered on his will and his glory. The problem is we don't know where to look for his power. I got to move on, y'all. Uh, why can't I open this door? There's some doors that you've been wanting to open that has not been opened, and you keep trying and trying and trying, and you keep asking, why can't I get to the next level? Why can't I break through this ceiling? Well. Here's the spiritual warfare piece that I want to come up against that's parallel with what Pastor Venice has been preaching about the war of all wars. And I need you to think with me, New Mission. The Bible duly notes that John the Baptist recognized that he recognized Jesus while he was in his mother's stomach. When Elizabeth was pregnant. You agree with that? It says, Luke 141 says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, that's John the Baptist, leaped 
in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that John recognized Jesus while he was in his mother's womb. But later on in Matthew 11 and 3, John the Baptist, now he's doubting if Jesus is really who he says he is. Because he, said, he asked the question, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? So while John is in the room, he has no issues, but while he's in the womb, he has no reservation, but while he's in the womb, he, while he has prenatal revelation, but it's when he's in jail, he becomes conscious that he's doubting Jesus for his life and is paralyzed with questions. See, many of us only see John that's locked up in prison, but I submit to you, I see a John that's locked up in other things. This is why the only way John the Baptist gets out of prison, stick with me, is by losing his head. They beheaded him. In our text, James was beheaded in Acts chapter 12. And in our text, they were going to behead Peter, but Peter's head was on the chopping block. Now I want to submit to you another piece of evidence an argument. Many of us think the enemy is after our finances. Many of us think that the enemy is after our families. Many of us think that the enemy is this, the devil's this, the devil. You're giving the devil too much credit. But I tell you, stop telling people that the devil's doing all this. I'm going to tell you what the devil's after. The devil's after your mind. He's after your mind. The enemy knows that if he can get to your head, you're going to mess up everything else. He ain't got to be involved in all that stuff. The battle is in your head. Whatever battle we face, we must step through the door head first. See, if you step into whatever your next move is, it's a new job, whatever it is, if you're still bringing the same bricks from the stuff from your old life, into your new situation, guess what? You're going to have the same situation. The Bible says you have to have a renewed mind. 2 Corinthians 10 3 says, For we walk not in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. It's because the battle is in your head. Let me keep moving. Okay. That's why even Jesus Christ, when he was crucified, there were a lot of places that God could have ordained for him to be crucified, his only begotten son to be crucified. Out of all the ordained places that Jesus was crucified, in Revelation 13, 8, it says, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world, he crucified him at Calvary. Right? In the Latin and the Greek, that word means Golgotha. Golgotha means the head of the skulls. Head of the skulls. Is anybody connecting these dots? The battle was in your head. They wanted Jesus' head. Why? Because every breakthrough you have 
it comes through your mind first. So when he laid down his life and gave it the ghost, the Bible declares even then that the veil from the temple is split from the top to the bottom. The Bible declares back to our text in verse 7 that while the angel stood by Peter, that a light shone in prison. The first thing the angel does is shine a light in a dark cell. Why would you think that breaking out maybe uh, you wouldn't need a light? But if I was breaking out, I wouldn't want no light. But why would the angel shine a light in a dark prison? The light represents revelation. In order to start a purpose-filled journey, the vision must be lit in your mind first. Deliverance and breakthrough is more than just having an emotional experience. Oh, we love to clap our hands. We love to pat our feet, but, but, but that, that, that sometimes could be all emotional. God has given you a mind, a renewed mind to think like him. The Bible says, whatever a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The first thing the angel do is shine the light. So when the Bible tells you that you're more than a conqueror, you have to have a revelation. You got to believe that. You got to believe that you're more than a conqueror in your mind. You got to see it before you see it. You got to see it. Elisha went out and he saw that the, that the uh, servant went out and he saw that he was surrounded by the enemy. And the servant go tell Elisha, and Elisha didn't panic. Elisha just prayed, Lord, open his eyes. After Elisha prayed and the servant looked again, he saw that there was way more of them, way more of us than it was in them. The battle is in your mind. You got to see it. You got to see it for yourself. Peter is not just in prison. And this is where I want to hit where some of us are. If we were in prison, he's in chains. He is confined to a small place. Peter's movement is restricted. On his right hand and on his left hand, he's changed to prison guards. You missed that. He's chained the people who are assigned to keep him in the state that he's in. Somebody missed that. Question, who are you chained to? Who are you chained to that's keeping you in the state that you're in? All of this is happening the night before he's scheduled to go to trial and being executed. It's the night before he's going to be beheaded. Everything around him is designed to restrict him. It's designed to restrict his movements, to keep him in a state long enough so they can ultimately kill him. In the midst of all this, Peter has the nerve to go to sleep. Some may say he was trusting God, and, and, and I think that, that could be true. But the angel has to strike Peter. Why does the angel have to strike? He had to hit Peter and wake him up. I believe that Peter had possibly had gotten too comfortable in a dysfunctional situation. I hate to say it, but some of us has gotten way too comfortable in dysfunctional relationships, in dysfunctional finance situations, and dysfunctional churches. For some of us, dysfunction 
has become the norm. Oh, I know I'm preaching to somebody in here. And sometimes God has to push us. Sometimes God has to hit us because it's not his intent to have us in dysfunctional situation. And we as black folks, we, we don't want to admit it, but, but, but we, we got some dysfunctional situations going on in our lives where it's so dysfunctional that we think it's normal. That's not of God. Some of us have gotten way too comfortable being in a dysfunctional situation. Some of y'all this morning, it took everything you had, it took hell for you to get, make it to church this morning. So as you see your life, then you start to see your life crumbling around you. That place was only supposed to be a bridge. When you go to those kind of places, that place is only supposed to be a bridge to get you where God is trying to get you to go. But we've made a temporary situation a permanent situation. Well, I've been doing this way 10 years. So, again, you know, that's the way I'm going to keep doing it. I've been doing it 30 years. Come here, Elijah. You, you got to go. See, 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 God took Elijah to the brook uh, after he was down. He said, hey, I'm going to have the ravens feed you at the brook. And there's some water at the brook. So Elijah got some bread at the brook. The Bible says after a while that the brook dried up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The brook dried up. You mean to tell me you sent me to a place and I did what you told me to do and it dries up? You mean to tell me, God, you gave me this job? And they've given me a pink slip, and I don't know how I'm going to make it, and the brook dries up. Lord, you brought me this man into my life, and I opened up my heart, and I opened up my home, and now he's gone, and you telling me it's over? You mean to tell me that the brook has dried up? Let me tell you something, my sister. You got it all mixed up. He thought you thought he was your boo thing. He was your brook thing. You was never meant to be in that situation that long. Why would God bring me to a brook and then it dries up? God says, you've gotten way too comfortable. You've gotten way too comfortable, Peter. Myron Ingram, you've gotten way too comfortable in some situations. You've gotten way too comfortable in dysfunctional situations. You see, Elijah, I had to dry the brook up because the only thing that you could eat was the ravens what the ravens brought to you. See, the ravens' mouth is only so big. They can only bring you scraps of bread. They can only bring you scraps of meat. God is saying, I got more for you than some scraps. This was just a temporary separation that you made permanent. I got more for you than that. We serve a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ever ask or think more than we can even ask or think, what are you asking God for? So when the angel leaves Peter, he's free now. Now Peter don't go down to Paycor Stadium to watch the Bengals play in the playoffs. He don't go there. He don't go down to Jeff Ruby's or Ruth Chris to uh, get a good meal. He doesn't go down to the casino and play some slot machines because he think he needs to win it, some money. He goes where they're holding prayer meeting. 
to thank the people who are praying for you. Do you thank people that are praying for you? So he goes to the prayer meeting. And Peter's at the house where he's praying and he couldn't get in. And the text says that Peter kept on knocking. Peter kept on knocking. Sometimes you got to keep on knocking to get through. Sometimes you got to keep on knocking because you won't quit. Keep asking and it will be given. The word says keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open. Peter kept knocking. Do you know that Fantasia, who's one of the uh, top artists in our country, who won American Idol in 2004, she went to the audition to try out. The problem was she was late getting there. And the doors were locked. And she couldn't get in. So she became frustrated and disappointed. It was too late. The doors were shut. And she called her uncle on the phone. Her uncle told her, Fantasia, baby, just keep on knocking. So she kept on knocking. She kept on knocking, nobody answered. She kept on knocking, and she just kept on knocking. And finally, a custodian heard her knock and opened the door. And she got her chance to audition and sing with American Idol and she won the whole thing because she kept on knocking. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody this morning needs to keep on knocking. Somebody's ready to give up, and they need to keep on knocking. Maybe one more knock and that door might open. Is there anybody in the house that think they need to keep on knocking? Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't say it's all over. Job, sickness, keep on knocking. Peter's life was spared. As I wrap this thing up, Peter's life was spared. When you look at uh, uh, verse 24, no, 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 no. Peter's life was spared. I'm going to find it. Give me a minute. He kept knocking. But Peter's life was spared. And as soon as he escaped, I'll come back to that. He was rescued by an angel. Jesus' life was not spared. Peter's life was spared. There was an angel who came to rescue and spare Peter. But there was no angel to rescue Jesus on the cross. Because he would not come down from the cross to save himself. He decided to stay there to save you and me. See, there was no escape for Jesus. He could have called six legion of angels. One name, one legion is 6,000. He could have called six. That's 72,000 angels. It only took two angels to take out Sodom and Gomorrah. He could have called 6,000, but there was no escape for him. Jesus was not spared. It said, he who has did not spare his own son in Romans 8.32, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with also freely give us all things? God did not spare his own son. He was spared in order that we will be spared. The word spared, I've been spared. You've been spared. 
The word spared is spelled S-P-A-R-E-D. But we've been spared to spread the gospel. Spread is, it's only, you flip the letters, and spread is S-P-R-E-A-D. So when you think about what God wants to do with your life, if you think about how he bought you out, if you think about what it is, you've been spared to spread the gospel. God bless you.